Good morning. Welcome again to Prairie View Christian Church. Thanks for joining us here this morning. Well, the past few weeks, we've spent our Sunday mornings examining several different genres from the book of Psalms. First, we read Psalm 103, which is classified as a hymn. A hymn is most clearly identified by the call to worship. And in the case of Psalm 103, that comes in verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. A hymn is an invitation to God's people to give God the worship he deserves. And this hymn also explains why God deserves it. From there, Zach preached from Psalm 121, which is known as the Psalm of Confidence. These psalms remind us of the hope we have in God, call us to believe in his promises, and encourage us to press on in faith and obedience. Again, in the case of Psalm 121, that comes in verses 1 and 2. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And then last week we read Psalm 69, a psalm of lament. Psalms of lament give voice to our pain in times of suffering, teach us how to think and talk about injustice and evil, and challenge us to keep our eyes fixed on God in moments of darkness. Verses 16 through 18 give us a good taste of lament. Answer me, O Lord, for your steadfast love is good. According to your abundant mercy, turn to me. Hide not your face from your servant, for I am in distress. Make haste to answer me. Draw near to my soul, redeem me, ransom me because of my enemies. So like music, there are different genres of psalm for different occasions. When you're feeling particularly grateful to God you may feel the urge to listen to worship music or read a hymn. If you're feeling happy, you turn on rock and roll and you read a psalm of confidence. When you're feeling sad, you throw on some blues and turn to a psalm of lament. There is a different psalm for just about every situation we can encounter as we live in a fallen world. And that's part of what makes the psalm so beautiful. Part of what makes it so helpful to God's people today. But one thing all the Psalms can do, no matter which category it might fall into, is point our eyes to Jesus. And today we'll see how that happens with Psalm 77, which, as we've stated, is a psalm of remembrance. Now, maybe you've had a moment in your life where you felt like you were just in a funk. You were tired, you were burnt out, you were frustrated. And so you tried to do something new, try to do something different to snap yourself out of it. So maybe you go shopping, thinking that some new clothes or some new gadgets will bring you refreshment. Or maybe you schedule a vacation, thinking that a change of scenery might do you some good. Or you adjust your daily routine in hopes that shaking things up might give you a welcome shot in the arm. 
And those ideas may work here and there. But what about when you're not just in a funk, but you're in something much worse? What about when you're feeling lost or confused or worried? What if you're at the point of lament, like we read about last week? Well, in a moment like that, you don't need to do something new and different. Rather, you need to bring something to mind that you forgot. You need to rediscover something that you already have. You need to be reminded of something that you already know. You need to remember. And that's what Psalm 77 is all about. So open up to Psalm 77, verse 1. Feel free to follow along here in the room and at home. But before we read, let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time that we have together. Thank you for the ability to worship you uh, again in 2020. Hopefully, uh, prayerfully, we've learned not to take that for granted. Um, and we may be learning it again. Uh, and so, Lord, I pray that you would watch over us in this time that we worship, time of worship that we have this morning. Uh, I pray that we would make the most of it. Lord, thank you that You have given us your word to read from. You've given us your word to study, to know. As Psalm 119 puts it, uh, it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And Lord, thank you that we have this record of your past accomplishments and that this record of your past accomplishments can give us confidence now and in the future. Uh, Thank you that we can know so much about who you are, know so much about what you've done, that we don't have to invent you or imagine you or speculate about you from our own minds, but that rather we can turn to your word and know you. We can turn to your word and get this perfect picture of who you are. And so thank you for revealing yourself to us. And Lord, as we study your word today, I pray that you would help us to take it and apply it to our own lives Uh, So that this wouldn't just be a text to be studied or a hobby to be pursued, but rather what we just said, a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path in uncertain times. Thank you for Jesus, Lord. Thank you that he is the one who calls us together, who brings us together in the church. Thank you for his broken body and shed blood. Lord, thank you for who you are and what you've done. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, before we read the main content of Psalm 77, a few brief words of introduction. First, the heading in your Bible may say something to the effect of, to the choir master, according to Jedithan. Now, it's possible that's referencing a man named Jedithan, who is identified in First and Second Chronicles as one of David's temple singers. It could also be referring to the use of a certain instrument or that this psalm could be sung in a certain style. But then you may also see the name Asaph, and this psalm was likely written by him. Asaph was also a temple musician and priest. And if you look at many of the surrounding psalms, they are attributed to Asaph as well. But let's actually read the psalm itself. Starting in verse 1. 
I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? So the first half of this psalm sounds like what we read last week. A psalm of lament. There's talk of crying out, days of trouble, a discomforted soul, a seemingly absent God. It marks all the boxes for a psalm of lament. And you might be thinking, well, great, another Sunday at Prairie View and another depressing passage. But there is one word in the verses that we just read that tells us what this psalm is really about. There's one word that tells us which section of the biblical jukebox this psalm truly belongs in. We see that word in verse 3, and we see it again in verse 6. The word is remember. Remember. While lament is present in Psalm 77, especially in the verses that we just read, That's not the main point of Psalm 77. Above all else, this is a psalm of remembrance. Now, this entire section of the book of Psalms, especially numbers 73 through 89, may have been arranged during a particularly trying period of Israel's history. After the great king David died, his son Solomon took over. And Solomon's reign was marked by great political, material, and military success. But then after Solomon died, the kingdom was split in two, north and south. There was division and conflict within Israel. Dangers and threats from without, from the surrounding nations. How the mighty had fallen. And in a time like this, many Israelites, including Asaph, the author of this psalm, may have found themselves looking back on the glory days with a sense of sorrow, longing, and nostalgia. They could remember when things were different. They could remember when life was easier. They could remember when times were good. They could remember when God was faithful. But Asaph continues in verse 10. Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. 
Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You with your arm redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea. Your path through the great waters. Yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. So verse 10 is when the psalmist shifts gears. Instead of just moping around, instead of just commiserating about the good old days, the psalmist encourages God's people to remember who God is and to remember what God has done. You may notice in verses 1 through 9 of Psalm 77, it's all about I, 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 me, me, me. And then when you get to verse 10, it shifts to you, you, you. The psalmist begins to think less about his circumstances, less about his sufferings, and more about who God is and what God has done. Specifically, the psalmist points our eyes far further back than just the glory days of David or Solomon. He points our eyes back to the Exodus. That was when God, with a mighty hand, freed the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. It was when God answered the cries of Jacob and Joseph's descendants, their ancestors. It was when God appointed Moses and Aaron to lead the people through the wilderness and into the promised land where they now lived, parting the Red Sea along the way. The Exodus was the single greatest act of God's deliverance that Israel had ever known. And the psalmist challenges them to remember, challenges them to rejoice in that miraculous act of God, rather than wallowing in self-pity. Why? Because when your present circumstances look bleak, And when your future appears uncertain, one of the best things you can do is look to the past. Remember who God is and remember what God has done. Psalm 136 teaches this exact same lesson, but with the beautiful repeated addition, his love endures forever. His love endures forever. Over and over and over again, his love endures forever. The psalmist wants you to remember that. He drills it into your mind. His love endures forever. He's proven it in the past. And the psalmist wants you to know it right now and wants you to know it in the future. His love endures forever. 
In the Old Testament, the word remember is used some 200 times. In the New Testament, it's used some 75 times. The importance of remembering who God is and what God has done is all over the pages of the Bible. One of the most powerful examples of remembering was in the practice of the Passover meal. Joshua referenced it during communion. At Passover, Israelites wouldn't just think back to how God delivered them from Egypt. They would reenact it as if they themselves were there. It helped them to remember. Preacher Jeffrey Arthurs tells the story of a man named Jimmy who had a rare neurological disorder called Korsakoff's syndrome. Jimmy seemed like a normal, functioning, even joyful adult, at least until you had a conversation with him. Because then you would learn that Jimmy could not remember any events that occurred for a 30-year window of his life, from 1945 to 1975. And this realization would scare Jimmy to death. He would think he was going crazy to the point of having to be calmed down. But then when Jimmy would gain his composure, he would immediately forget what had just happened. And the same trauma would occur over and over and over again. Every single time they had an appointment, the doctor would have to reintroduce himself to Jimmy as if they had never met. And then he would once again have to tell him everything that happened in that 30-year window of time. Because of his inability to remember, the staff at that doctor's office would refer to Jimmy as a lost soul. A lost soul. And when we as God's people fail to remember who God is and what God has done for us, we too become like lost souls. In fact, many of Israel's greatest hardships arrived when they didn't remember God, when they forgot about Him. You could trace it all the way back to Genesis 3, when Satan lured Adam and Eve into forgetting who God actually was and blurring what God had actually commanded of them. In the book of Deuteronomy, God warned Israel of the dire consequences of forgetting him as they begin to settle in the promised land. And in the book of Judges, we see the damage that occurs when Israel fails to heed that warning. A vicious cycle of forgetting God, being punished by God, remembering God, being delivered by God, and then forgetting God again. And it happens time and time again. We are called to remember who God is. To remember what God has done for us in the past at all times. But it's especially important when we are troubled in the present and scared for the future. When we feel as though we have no hope in the present and no promise in the future... We remember the times that God has helped us in the past. Charles Spurgeon once said, We write our benefits in dust and our injuries in marble. 
Think about that again. We write our benefits in dust and our injuries in marble. That's his way of saying that we are much better at remembering and thinking about bad times than we are good times. He goes on, it ought not be so. If our memories were more tenacious of the merciful visitations of our God, the good things God had done, our faith would be strengthened in times of trial. I'm sure we can all look back at seasons of our lives when we could relate to the words of Psalm 77. We were crying out during days of trouble. Our souls were discomforted. And it felt like God was nowhere to be found. But guess what? Here we are. We may have picked up some scars along the way. But ultimately, one way or another, God delivered us. We made it through. We survived. To answer Asaph's questions in verses 7 through 9, God did not spurn us forever. He was again favorable. His steadfast love didn't cease. His promises didn't fail. He hadn't forgotten to be gracious, and his compassion did follow his anger. We ought to praise God for that. We ought to thank God for that. We ought to remember God's past provision, care, and deliverance. And trust that he can do the same things now, and he can do the same things in the future. Likewise, if you've been a believer for long, you can probably look back and remember seasons when God didn't forget you. But you forgot him. And how did that work out for you? I'm going to guess that it probably didn't go very well. We must actively guard against forgetting who God is. We must actively guard against forgetting what God has done for us in the past. Because when we forget those things, we set ourselves up for suffering. We set ourselves up for judgment. We become like lost souls. But thankfully, Psalm 136 is correct. His love endures forever. While our love may waver and wobble, God's love is steady and sure. While we may forget him, he does not forget us. If we have forgotten him, now is the time to repent. Now is the time to return. Now is the time to remember. Dive into God's word. Surround yourself with God's people. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you remember. You know, there's great value in remembering how God got you through some tough seasons in the past. When money was tight, when your health was unstable, when your marriage was on the rocks, when your career screeched to a halt, when your parents were aging, whatever it might be. Praise God for that. Thank God for that. But what's even more valuable is to think back much further. Think back to the deliverance that God accomplished for you through Jesus Christ. That deliverance was about more than just a tough season of life or a challenging set of circumstances. 
That deliverance was from sin, death, and Satan himself. At the cross, Jesus' body was broken, his blood was shed, but three days later, his tomb was unoccupied. By faith, your punishment was taken. By faith, your sins were forgiven. By faith, you were reconciled to God. And all who believe in Jesus can look back with joy to this past work. And remembering it can give us confidence in the present and remind us not just of our hope in the future, but our hope in eternity. The Exodus, that incredible act of God's past deliverance, recalled in Psalm 77, it truly was an amazing display of God's power and grace. But we Christians can look back to an even greater display of God's power and God's grace at the death and resurrection of Jesus. God's act of delivering us from sin, death, and Satan. Before he was arrested, Jesus taught his disciples the importance of regularly remembering the significance of what would soon happen to him. He teaches them as they share in the Passover meal, ironically, to eat and drink in remembrance of him. We now call that meal communion. So sometimes the best thing that we can do when we're in a funk is not to shop for some new stuff, get a change of scenery, or try out a new routine. Sometimes the best thing we can do is to remember something old. Remember something familiar. It's by remembering who God is and what God has done for us in the past through Jesus Christ that we can find confidence in the present, that we can find hope in the future, that no matter what's happening to us right now, no matter what's happening around us right now, God is still God. May we always remember that. May we never forget it. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for this day. Thank you for your word. Sometimes we come to your word and we want something new and exciting and, and revolutionary and extraordinary. And sometimes we get that. But I think most of the time we get reminders. We get reminders of who you are and what you've done. Things that we've probably heard before, things that we've probably read before, things that we think we know. But you put them in front of us again and again and again because we tend to forget them. We are forgetful people. Like the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, we can easily fall asleep. We can easily lose focus. We can easily be distracted and forget who you are and what you've done for us and even what you've commanded of us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us remember that no matter what it is that we're facing in this life right now, no matter what challenges may come, no matter what hardships may arise, I pray that we would remember who you are and remember what you've done. And remembering that, Lord, can give us confidence now, give us hope for the future, even when things look bleak. 
Lord, help us remember you and not forget you. And thank you that you remember us by faith in Jesus Christ. We love you. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.